All right, Kevin, I am thrilled to talk to you today for two reasons. One, even though you begged me for preliminary interview questions, I didn't give them to you. So we're going to have an authentic conversation. And two, I'm I'm fascinated by you. So thanks for uh, spending some time with us. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be part of the part of the program. Fascinated by you as well. Can't okay, wait to hear good. what you ask. So with everybody, and, and this is now turning into a consistent theme, I like to start off if I say, if, if I asked a question, t- tell me your story. What is your story? What would you say? How, how, how have you got into this point? Yeah, I think I would, uh, I would say I, um, I'm, a, I'm a, a kid that grew up in Canada, went to school in Canada, opportunity came up to come to the US when I was 23, 24 down to Texas, took advantage of that, found a, um, found a place that uh, really worked for me, loved Texas, loved the US, and uh, I've made that my home ever since. Um, so I'm 52, so you can, you can do the math, but it's a long time down here. I've spent more time down here than I did up in my, uh, country of birth and, uh, whatever I do, I try to work hard at it. I try to surround myself with really good people and, uh, usually try to have a, have a plan in place before we go into any situation. So we try to, uh, have a great outcome and then just continue to work hard. So one thing I've always respect about you, you talk about surrounding yourselves with, with good people. Is that, is that a lesson that's been learned over time? Did you go through battles where you, you learned what makes a good team or is that, is that a mindset that, that you've always attracted the right, right folks around you? Yeah, I think, I think where it really hit home for me probably was when I started after I graduated from school, my first job, my first real job was working at Bain and Company. Um, as an analyst with them. And that was a, um, you know, for those of you who don't know Bain and Company, uh, Bain was made famous when, when Mitt Romney ran for president. Uh, but it's really, it, it's, it's a large consultancy that works with Fortune 500 companies trying to solve their biggest problems. It's a heavy data-driven environment, uh, super competitive, a lot of really smart people around there, uh, but a lot of really good people. And it's not just that, you know, I saw lots of smart people that washed out because they didn't work hard. Um, but if you have a combination of a, a good work ethic and you're smart, you'll really succeed in that environment. It's a team-based environment. Um, we all solve problems together in, in, in a case team format. And it's something that really resonated with me. And so that was, that was my formative you know, business career from you know, the age of 20, 23, call it to 28. Uh, and that has really stayed with me ever since. So your, your team now, I obviously know them intimately, but yep. is it, is there a trick to getting there? I mean, from a financial standpoint, obviously you, you have to pay people what they want to be paid. You can't go cheap on a team, but is there, is there tricks that go into building this, this squad that has your back? You know, I think, I think when you, you, when you, it's probably what everybody, I I think anyone, anyone over high achieving performing people would want, which is uh, they want to be able to put into, be put into an environment where they're challenged. Um, they want to be put into an environment where they have autonomy to make decisions and live and die by the decisions they make. So if they make great decisions, they're going to be rewarded. If they make poor decisions, they're going to live with that. And they're going to clean up uh, any any garbage that they may have caused. Um, they they need to be financially rewarded. Um, and so I think if you can put all of those things together, I think you can create an environment where you can attract good people. But you've got to be willing to you got to be willing to let go. I've got to be willing as a leader to say, I don't need to be involved in every single decision. I've got a, I've got a team of really experienced people that can make those decisions um, and then just move on from there. 
at 52, you're obviously conditioned to do that. Was that, was that a learned skill set over life that to, to trust in others or to let go when, when you, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. When you, when you walk in the room, you're arguably one of the yeah. smartest people in the room. You, you are, it, it, that, that's a yeah. factual statement, but to, to get to the point of knowing that you're going to have to rely on others. Was that, was that a skill that you had to learn? Um, you know, I, again, I, I, when I come back to, when I come back to Bain, that was certainly never the case. I mean, I, I would walk into the room thinking I was really never the smartest person in the room. And I can, you know, depending on how you wanted to chalk that up, you could see that, but what I, or how you wanted to measure it. But what I, what I found in those people that I work with, people that are investors in my company today, people that were mentors of mine who continue to be mentors of mine. Uh, that's what I learned from them. Um, I think the idea is people aren't going to be making, they might not make every decision exactly the same way that I'm going to make a decision, um, but are they going to walk through the same process in terms of gathering information, gathering data, getting other people's viewpoints, and then make the best decision they think is available, and then go with it. And and maybe I would have made a, a different decision, um, but nine times out of 10, if I pick the right people and we've got the right process in place for how we collect information and make decisions, we're going to make similar decisions. Um, and so for those, for those odd times when we make a different decision, that's, that's just the cost of business and you just, you just keep going. Go back to, to very early on in your career. What was, what was the motivator for you to be successful? Uh, what, what was the backdrop that made you decide that you, you were going to be at the top, top of business? Um, I guess, I guess early, you know, growing up very, um, humble beginnings. My dad was a truck driver. My mom stayed at home. My dad worked for us on, you know, did, didn't make much money, but enjoyed the job, enjoyed the work. Um, uh, my view was uh, growing up for whatever reason, I always thought there was something more out there. And, uh, and so from a young age, I've always, I've always had a job. Uh, I've always wanted to create something on my own. So a lot of those jobs I would have in the summer were, was not me working for somebody else. It was actually me creating some opportunity with a partner or a friend, whether it's a roofing company, um, a painting company, uh, doing driveway ceiling, whatever it was, it, it filled the time. And I always wanted to make, make my own money. Um, you know, a motivating factor for me, I got, I, I, uh, I, uh, entered university the summer before entering university. I took, uh, uh, the securities course, which was a, uh, a course for, for me to learn, um, being a stockbroker, if that's what I wanted to do. I thought in taking that course, I actually learned something about the stock market. I was very naive thinking that I knew what I was doing. I asked my um, parents, um, uh, who's, and I think I've told you this story before, Nick, but my parents had saved money for college. I was gonna be the first kid to go to college in our extended family. Uh, I asked them if I could take that money invested in the stock market because you know I just finished the securities course. I knew a lot about the stock market. Um, fast forward two or three months from that point, and uh, the stock market blows up. Uh, I had invested in these things called uh, index options and 100% uh, of the money my parents had saved for the previous 10 or 15 years evaporated and was gone. <laughs> so uh, there was a motivating factor there, which was to uh, figure out what I just did, but more importantly, get a job and start doing better at school because I wasn't doing that well at school at the time. I was just really focused on a lot of other things that I should have been. And that was my first year of university. So uh, I mean, fortunately, I was able to turn it around. 
Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, you, you there, there's so much to unpack from that moment that your parents believed in you, so you needed the trust of of humans saying, "Go, go, go, do you." Um, yeah. It, but you also needed, you probably needed that failure, right? I, I I probably need that failure. I think that's a great a great assessment. I mean, I think if I if I didn't have that, think of the, the if I because I've thought about this. If if it was if the opposite happened, say I actually. Mm-hmm made a good amount of money on the trade that I did um, and maybe made a little bit more, the chance of me having stayed in university was probably not really high at that point. You know, I always, I, I had looked at the market and I felt that was a way that I can really make, make some money. You know, I, uh, I pivoted very quickly when I lost the money and I said, the way I'm going to do this is a much longer term approach, which is I'm going to do as well as I can in school. Um, and, uh, and then see where that takes me, uh, by the end of the, the next three and a half years when I finished up. And so, yeah, it could have been, it could have been a bit different. I think if, if it had gone the other way and it was a little later when that accident happened, I think the ability to pivot would have been tougher. Do you still think about that moment as a, as a motivator? Is that somewhere inside of your gut? Uh, not so much now at this point, you know, I think of, I've, I've done a lot of other things since then. Um, so I, I think about the story because it's, you know, I think about a story more from candidly, more from a parenting technique with my, with what my mom and my dad did with me than as a motivator for me to go out and try to succeed. I don't, I don't feel like I have to, uh, you know, rectify that situation or prove anything more to myself about that situation. But I do think about, I do think about the lessons that I teach my children and how I think about, you know, raising children and, and their wins and failures and how I'll react to them as a parent. Because, you know, the, the, the follow up to that, that story is that, um, you know, I never told my parents that I lost the money. And um, I went back and I just started working. I never went back and borrowed money from them. I just I was able to make enough to put my way to put my way through school. Um, you know, 20. What is it? Maybe. 20, 25 years later, uh, just you know, days before my dad passed away, uh, somehow in a conversation that came up and he referenced that period of time. And, uh, and the way he referenced it, 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 it was clear to me that he knew that day that I had lost all the money they saved. And I asked him the question, I said, I didn't realize you knew that I had done that. And, they, and, and the comment was, well, one of our best friends' uh, son-in-law was your stockbroker, and he felt terrible about the situation. So he he called us up and let us know. And I said, "Well, why didn't you say anything to me at the time?" And and the response was, "Is because you were doing everything right. You know, you you yeah. you you acknowledged that you made a failure. You went out. You started working hard. You noticed your grades picked up. Um, you had already learned the lesson. Nothing we could have said would have uh, would have helped that. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a, a lot of insight there that I can carry." I mean, that, that, that's a big moment even from, from a parenting standpoint. And I mean, it shows that they, they always, they always trusted in you. I mean, there's, there's value in that as, as a parent, uh, in the way that you would raise children, I would imagine you're doing similar behaviors, uh, with your kids that your parents taught you from, from a moment like that. Yeah, we, we definitely are. I mean, I think, you know, we, you know, all, all of our kids and you, you've got, you've got children and, you know, Every every age is great, is exciting. Every age is an opportunity to uh, to teach and coach. Um, and at every age, there's wins and there's failures. And I, I think it's really how we react to both the wins and failures and what we try to teach the, because a lot of times they win, there's still a lot that can be learned from that win that, you know, that 
that, that might not seem apparent at the time to, to, the, to the child when they're doing it. The losses are a lot more intuitive for people as, as an opportunity to coach as to what happened. Uh, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for wins as well. So, so when when you think back on your on your humble beginnings, I mean, I I, I think about mine too. Uh, it's not like I grew up with a silver spoon. Um, it definitely wasn't uh, it wasn't a bad life that I I grew up in. It was it was mid America. Um, but I I think about it like in in a world where your children come up with a, a different financial setting, how do you end up teaching them grit or how how do you find a way to to empower them to to learn this grit that that probably made you better than everybody else at, at things that you've done? Yeah, you know, gr- grit's a word that we use a lot in our in our house. So we also have another acronym. We we call it uh, NIE. You know, nothing is easy, and it's it's something that um, you know. I so I, we do we look at it in a few different ways. Our our all three of our children have to happen to be. Um, fairly gifted athletically, more thanks to their, their mom than their dad. Um, I think that, you know, athletics can teach a lot. Um, it can really teach a lot about, um, about motivation, about leadership, about winning, about losing. Um, and so we've had opportunities with, uh, with, our, with our oldest and our youngest who are swimmers to teach them, to teach them that. Uh, our, middle, our middle daughter's a soccer player. And so, um, you know, wins, losses, how they behave on the field, how they, how well they train, how they, how they treat their, how they treat their teammates. Um, so that's where we've, we've done it. We do it a little bit in schooling as well. Um, you know, hard work, hard work pays off. And I think that's, you know, my, my parents lived long enough so that they, my, my kids saw where I grew up. They saw their, they saw that environment that I was in, um, you know, I hope they have the fire in the belly. I hope they have the grit. I certainly have seen it in athletics. Um, you know, we just do the best we can, right? When you're when you're growing up and you're 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 carving your own story, did did you have at least moments where you could pause and say, "All right, th- this is pretty neat how far you've come." Did you did you ever have those breaks throughout your career um, to to recognize that you're doing some cool things? Um, do you do it now? Yeah, I, I do it now. I, I do it sometimes. I mean, I guess there was there was one break uh, where uh, I had been recruited to uh, South African Airways to be part of the, the turnaround story, and it was opportunity. You know, work in Johannesburg for three years. Our son was born. It was it was quite a uh, it was a dangerous environment, but it was also a, a politically charged environment at the time when I was down there in the late nineties uh, to early two thousands. But when we, when we, especially now, when we look back at that opportunity, I was really young. I was given a lot of responsibility. Uh, we were living at the end of the day. We were living in a very cool place. There was a lot. I mean, South Africa is such a gorgeous country. There's so much to do there. Um, you know, I, I, I pinch myself then. I don't know. I guess I've always felt, I've always felt very fortunate to have been put into a lot of these different opportunities. And you know, I said yes to most of them, and but but I always felt very fortunate somehow that they just they just showed up. I pinch myself all the time with uh, how lucky I've been. Do you think your 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 children? Because obviously, you're you're as a parent, you're leveraging sports and a little bit of schooling to teach them that appreciation too. Do you feel like them as you watch them grow up, they they have those pinched moments, or is that still something that needs to be trained over a lifetime? 
I think that's something that needs to be trained. Yeah, I will ask one other thing, Nick. I mean, one of the other things that we do, my, you know, my wife is really great at um, when we can, which is several times a week, the five of us sitting around a table and, uh, and having dinner. And I'm very open about uh, the one thing that I never wanted my children to do is to look at me and feel like what we've achieved has been easy to get to. And I think that can be depending on, you know, I think you, you're this way a little bit. Your demeanor is a little lighthearted. And, um, and uh, you know, if I, if I was to ask your, your children, if they were sitting here beside me, you know, what do you, you know, your, your dad makes it look easy, doesn't he? You know, the answer I'll get back was absolutely makes it look easy. You know, I think, I think any, any successful person with children, the children are going to look at the parents and say, you know, uh, yeah, it, it just works for my dad or works for my mom. They make it look easy. Uh, what we try to do is we try to, I try to at dinner, bring up conversations of uh, things that have happened during the day in a confidential way. They're, they're all sort of, they're in the, they're under the tent. Uh, but I share with them difficult situations we've had, whether it's a difficult conversation I've had with a, a franchisee or a supplier or an employee. I mean, the list can go on. And so I think by doing that, that that's a, it's a pretty instructive, instructional time for the, for the kids to say, well, maybe it's not as easy as, a, as, as he makes it look. You know, I try to, when I come home, you know, I try to turn off all the, all the stuff that's happened during the day uh, and even when I'm telling the story, I tell it in a, in a very upbeat, positive way. But I mean, as you know, I mean, some days are harder than other days. We probably all have experienced those, right? You just, you should have just, you know, you wake up the next day, you put on your big boy pants, pull up the boots and you get back and, and you make it happen. Uh, but you try not to have that day at work impact your family because that's yeah. not, that's not healthy. Yeah. I mean, if, if someone said, T- tell me what Kevin Wilson's secret is, as, as I know you, uh, uh, what what is your secret to success? I mean, you pick the right partner uh, in your wife. Uh, you pick the right partners in your business. It seems that I've never gotten the sense that you you have it easier than anyone else. I've always had the sense that you have an intent intangible asset of however however you build these relationships seem to build communities that always have your back. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing with with your children. I, I think that's your magic piece in, in business is, is understanding the value of people. You know, I, I certainly feel, you know, I, I definitely invest in people. Uh, I take the time uh, to listen and I take the time to, um, you know, I, I take the time. And in, in some cases it could be as simple as somebody calling me up and just wanting to come in. And, you know, w- we live in Virginia beach, which is, um, Oceana is based here. It's one of the largest naval air stations in the in the country. Heavy military city. Uh, we have a lot of people that are transitioning out of military into into a commercial environment. And uh, one way or another, I, I I end up talking to a lot of these people that are transitioning through friends that I know. They would say, "Why don't you go spend some time with Kevin and listen listen to him?" I just I do that because I want to do that. These these are these are great people that have served our country, and I want to help them where I can, whether it's through an introduction or others. But you know, I, I just place a lot of value in relationships with uh, with people, and um, I guess that comes through a little bit with the people I work with. What What happens when someone disappoints you? You know, I think I think I try to be. Uh, I try. I want to understand why why I got disappointed, why I was disappointed. Um, but I think I think what I try to do is I try to just be transparent about why they that, why they were disappointed. 
why they disappointed me or where they failed or where they let me down. Um, and, uh, and then I usually just, we just move on. You know, one of the, one of the things we have at our, at our company, and it's something that we, we take very seriously is our set of five core values. And uh, we talk about them all the time. I talk to franchisees about them. I talk about, and we recognize them with our employees. Um, and, you know, we use, those fran- we use those core values as a guide for helping people to make decisions. Um, and we just feel it helps make better decisions if they can anchor to a set of things. So whether it's uh, lead with in- integrity, act with purpose, um, you know, empower and serve, whatever, whatever, whatever they may be curious and innovate. We want people to just think about those core values before they make decisions. Leading with integrity is a, is a, is a big one for us. And it's about trying to do the right thing all the time for the franchisees. It's not about not making mistakes, but it's about trying to do the right thing. So if somebody, if somebody lets me down, um, I just, I have a, I have a, just a very direct conversation with them. It doesn't happen that often, to be honest. Is it easy for you to move on? Usually. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on what the issue is, but most, most of the issues, it's pretty easy for me to move on. Look, we all make mistakes, right? You know, that when I think about being let down, it's usually that there's been a mistake that's been made. If, if, if it's been a breach of, if it's been a breach of trust or, or if there's been something else, then that's a different thing. But if it's somebody, you know, they, they made a bad decision um, that, that'll end up costing our company money. And we've had some big ones like that. You know, you just, yeah, well, they're not going to make that mistake again. Let's pay this and then let's just move on. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty good about just moving on from those things. I don't how, take it too personally. How, how did you learn that asset or how, what brought you to being able to let things go? Is it just in your DNA? Did your, did your dad or mom act that same way? No, they didn't. They, well, it's <clears throat> a good question. I think, you know, if I go back to that story, I guess, you know, they could have, they could have come down on me pretty hard for, for losing all the money that they saved uh, for my college, but they didn't do that. They, in, in a way they let that go because they, they acknowledged that, you know, I knew I made a mistake and I did make a big mistake there, uh, but I, but I was fixing it. Um, I like to give the benefit of the doubt to people as well, that if they make a mistake, they're going to know it, they're going to move on and, uh, and fix it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you, when you think about them not saying anything about it, they, they were doing the same behavior. So, so yeah. may, maybe they had it in them, maybe not at, as, as rich as you do, um, in your, in your behavior with people, but like, it's, it's interesting as you flash back into moments of your life, there, there should be, there should be pathways that explain why are you behaving in that yeah. moment? Cause your, your DNA is made up of all of the events that you've had throughout your life that led you to this point. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's a great insight. And I, you know, some of those things I thought about that, that in particular, I guess would be a, a good case in point. I mean, we're all, you know, we're all products of our, our various experiences, right. That come together. And, and I think the more formative ones happen in those, in those earlier years, I think that's where you can really, really learn from them. I think the skill set that we're discussing also applies well to the business that you happen to be in, which is connected to franchises or franchisees, because you're dealing with so many different DNAs, both experiential and internal, that led them to the point to making the decision to being a part of what whatever Buzz family that they want to be a part of. Um, has some of these soft skills that you've had uh, created a little bit more tolerance in an industry that is it's very tough because you're you have people that invest their life savings into this for the hope that you're going to make help them make a better lifestyle for themselves 
but but there's so many complexities to who they are as people to lead them to this point. You can't manage uh, in a one size fits all environment. Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. I mean, I think the hardest hardest decision I think most franchisors have if if they're taking their business seriously is is making the decision to have uh, to grant that person a license to be a franchisee because by doing that. By saying that, you're already you're you're implicitly saying we think you'll make it. You know, though, whether you believe that or not, you're saying that. That's a, that you you know you're giving an affirmation to the to that candidate that says, well, you know, Kevin thinks I'm going to make it, so I'm going to make it. Um, and you make your best assessment. You don't always get it right, uh, but you make your best assessment. You try to get it right. But what you really, but what's in your control is the support that you provide as a franchising company. And um, you know, I think that's an area where. Uh, we there's a there's a wide variance, you know, a huge variance of 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 support that franchisors are providing from from very little support at all from when they sign. You know, once you're done training, you're off on your own to, you know, where where, where our bias is, is is providing more support and really providing more support on helping them make better decisions, be better business people by allowing them to make better decisions. I've always been fascinated uh, since I've known you at the pure fact that you don't apply franchise practices to franchising. You almost apply business and life to franchising. Um, that I, I respect the fact that when when you got into this uh, with Mosquito Joe, you, you said basically whatever the right way is in business, let's apply this to here, and then that that helps tell the success story, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, there's, I, uh, we had, uh, we had a, our, our British Swim School is a company we just recently um, purchased and we had their top franchisees in this week. And I gave a, a short presentation on, on who Buzz Franchise Brands is, but I, I set it up in a way where I said, this is how a traditional franchisor set up a company. And this is how Buzz Franchise Brands set it up. And I walked them through various, various attributes and you know, it, it ranged from making sure that we were well capitalized as opposed to being just, you know, a bootstrap startup. You know, we put place a lot of emphasis on being a data driven organization as opposed to just what's my gut tell me. And um, and, you know, those as we think as we think about the differences between what we've done and how maybe a traditional approach was, it's really about helping them make better decisions. And so we've you know, we, we, we invested a lot of money in systems. Uh, we've invested a lot of money in people resources. I got people that didn't under that. I mean, some of them didn't know how to spell. They knew how to spell franchising, but they didn't have franchising experience. You know, Angela, who you've gotten to know well, um, didn't have franchise experience. Brian Garrison, my COO, no franchise experience. Mike Hall, my CFO, no franchising experience. You know, but what they have is great business experience. They know how to work with people, um, and they're all very data driven. And you know, the one the one aspect of of all of them, and really anybody here that succeeds with us is they're very curious you know they're curious and you're a very curious individual right you're always asking questions when we get together at events you know we have we have great conversations uh largely because you, you know you're asking a lot of questions I, I ask a lot of questions too and i feel like if you ask questions eventually you're going to get some answers you know and i'm not going to eventually hopefully you get the right answers but you know that to me is such a an important trait to be able to develop certainly in young people i think it gets harder as you get older but man if you can you know, your children, my children, if I can teach them to be curious, uh, what a great, what a great skill to have for life. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, 
if I, if I reflect that, whether it's interviews or it's business, that, that curiosity, so it, it probably comes from somewhere deep inside me that says, I know that I'm not perfect and I, and I know I have a lot to learn. So the more that I can learn and, and try to figure out the logic of how all these thoughts work together, it should make me uh, better in business. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've always respected our conversations that you and I have had. Uh, I, I respect you deeply uh, as, a, as a friend and as someone in business because I, I mean, I, I want to be like you. I, I, I want to be able to have this gray area with my team that, that blurs business and personal. I want to have um, a life where I can take care of others, uh, use my best knowledge to set up a system that could, that could take care of others so that their families um, can reap the benefits. I, I want to do things the, the right way. All the, all the wants are there. It's now piecing together the puzzles. And that, that's part of the reason why I love having our conversations because um, I, I think you've done it right. I think you've done so many things right in your life. Oh, I appreciate I appreciate that. I mean, I, you know, I think that is, you know, when I look back on those different things that I've done, could I have done what I'm doing now in my young 30s and had the same success? I don't think so. You know, late 30s, getting closer, but there's a lot of, you know, failures, wins, losses, whatever you want to call, where I've learned along the way. And in each stop I've had, I've, I picked something up. So if it was Bain and Company, it was, it was, you know, if you can't prove it with data, you can't prove it, you know, very analytically driven environment. If it was uh, Benny's Bagels, my first franchise that we started, that was all about the unit economics. And, you know, just are we driving and peeling back to understand the unit economics? You know, South African Airways, large organization, you know, I had, I had 3000 employees that I was managing and I had two unions. I had a, you know, we think of unions in this country on, based on trade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, down there, it's not that way. I had a white union and I had a black union. And uh, it was a racially charged, politically charged environment. And, uh, you know, I had to navigate a lot of a lot of time bombs, ticking time bombs. I mean, it was tough. But, you know, what I learned there was I learned listening skills very, very well when I'm in those meetings. And so, you know, when I think of all these things, piecing them together, uh, and I've always, I've always loved small business. And that you know brought me back to franchising because it's 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 at the end of the day it's it's a collection of small businesses, but it, it allows you the ability to scale something as well, which I think is pretty cool. If I if I forced you to answer this question, is <laughs> is franchising the toughest or one of the toughest businesses that you've ever had to work in because of the complexities of of humans? Because uh, really, the asset is the human. Uh, in in probably more ways than other businesses. Other businesses, it could be a cog in the wheel, but here, like the asset is the human. You need franchisees to work. You need to give them the support that they make more money. You, you're trying to grow a business. Is how how tough is franchising? Franchising is pretty tough. I mean, I think you know, I it's not as tough as the airline business. Uh, the airline business is pretty darn tough. I mean, it's it's hard to make money uh, in good times. Uh, and, and the likelihood is you'll lose a lot of money in bad times. Um, and it's a, it's a, certainly in the environment, whether it's here or down in, down in South Africa, you know, uh, collective, collective bargaining agreements control, control labor and you manage that. So you've got to manage that process. You've got to manage the, the change that takes place. Um, it, it, that's a, that was a tough environment, really tough environment. Franchising for me, I think, is, 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 is not as hard um, as that. It's difficult, but it's 
it's it's um, the difficult part is you, you've got the model that's established and you know you know exactly what works. The challenging part for me is always trying to figure out why somebody didn't make it. You know, yeah. if, if they fail, because you give them all the same support. Uh, people would ask me that question about Mosquito Joe. Well, I can tell you there's a lot of mosquitoes in that area. I can tell you that there's probably competitors in that area, but we have competitors here. Uh, and the reality is that I could take, you know, another franchisee who is a winner in this area and put them in the one that just failed and they would succeed. And so it really then came down to the individual. So then then allows you to focus back on yourself as well. What about that individual? Did we not? How do we not connect with them or how do we not support them in a, in a way? Um, and that, that's the hard part. The hard part is when you see people see people fail. I mean, and, and if they're failing, they're not enjoying it. You know, we, we usually try to work out a situation where we gracefully exit them out of the business, somehow make it work so that um, it's it, it works for them and it works for us. Um, We've been pretty good at doing that, but it's not easy. I appreciate that comment because it, I, I bet you if I'm talking with the the mass majority of franchise brands and we talk about failed franchisees, they focus on how that franchisee was bad. Um, and it was, it's offline. They would say it was, a, yeah. it was, and, and you're saying, well, let's, let's ask more questions of ourselves so that we can keep getting better. I think, I think that's like that soft people skill that ends up, you can apply it to any aspect of your life, whether it's business or personal or wife or kids or children. It, it doesn't matter. Like that soft skill is so valuable of, of saying, all right, let's get better. And, and, and that, that's yeah. such a half full approach that so many people in business go half empty. And I think that that's part of the challenge that they fight through. And that's what gets them in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for what, for whatever, for whatever reason, as I mentioned, or I've always, I've always been a very optimistic person. I, I think I've gotten more realistic over time, but I've always been optimistic and I've always tried to make the best of whatever circumstances that, whatever hand I'm dealt, you know, I, I, I try to teach that to my kids, you know, you're going to, you're not always going to be dealt the perfect hand. What's most important is how you're going to play that hand. It's going to determine uh, how you feel about right. the outcome. So do you so talk, talk a little bit about optimism and, and, and this is where I want to end our conversation um, on, on the topic of happiness. Are, are, are you happy? Do, do you feel like you've achieved happiness? Do you feel like you're still chasing it? Um, do you find it in moments? How, how would you explain your, your own personal happiness? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I feel happy a lot to be honest I mean, And, but I always have, I mean, I always, you know, whether it's, you know, I think largely I feel like I, I found the right partner in life. So that, that definitely helps a lot. Um, she sees the world uh, through similar eyes to the way I see the world. And so she's, she's a good, a great support structure for me, but I, I just, I've always felt, um, I've always felt like, you know, life is going to be what I make it. You know, I'm not going to let somebody else dictate my happiness. Um, you know, I could make the comment that I'm not that concerned about what other people think of me. Um, and that would probably be a true statement. Um, but what I mean by that is I'm not going to let other people dictate how I, how I behave or how I, I've got a good, you know, you know, center for how I think I need to uh, shape my life, how I need to live my life. And I'm going to, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to have fun doing it. Um, and, um, 
so yeah, I, I tend to be, you know, it doesn't mean like, like all of us, we have bad days. And, uh, and so some of those bad days, I've got a great wine cellar at home. <laughs> I go home, I have a couple of glasses of wine. I wake up the next day and that's history. And I, I just move on. <laughs> so you drink too much to forget about the past. Great <laughs> advice from, from Kevin Wilson. Well, look, look, I, I mean, if, if I reflect back, if I, if I take a second to pause and I, I, I do it plenty, um, some of my favorite moments of operating this business has been in your company, um, whether that's that's laughing or uh, learning or drinking. Um, all of those moments have have helped me. And I, I, I think really the magic of everything you're saying is it, it, when you go back to talking about being just a, just being happy, when when you decide at the end of the day, you you as a human being get to decide whether you're happy or not. And Absolutely. when you decide to live life. Uh, screw screw anything else that happens. I'm going to be happy with what I do. And I'm going to find happiness in every day. I think that ultimately drives success in the end because your your mindset is in a is in a healthy place. And and you have that effect on me anytime I'm with you, even if I'm having a bad day. Um, I you 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 turn that around, and I appreciate that. And I like to be associated with people that have that same mentality. Well, I, I appreciate that too. We have uh, you know I I've enjoyed our conversations. You know we have. We have a core value. Um, I, I gave you four of my five core values. The, the fifth core value is a, is a real important one to us, and that's have fun. And uh, and we do that in a lot of different ways. But 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 fun for us is not just celebrating people's birthdays and some of the some of the things they've done here, but it's also about winning. And uh, we like being around winners, and uh, we don't like being around losers. And uh, and so we 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 celebrate those wins whenever we can. And so I think. You know, we've got a great team here. You know, I, I view you as a core in your firm, a core part of that team. I remember the first time that we met and I remember when when uh, when Angela and it was her decision, she made the final decision to pick uh, to pick your team. And uh, it was a great decision for us. So it's been it's been a great journey. I appreciate it. Kevin, thanks for spending some time with us. This was uh, this was very, very yeah. enjoyable. Good. Enjoyed it too, Nick. All the best. 